Hey, Playmakers, real quick before we get into today's episode, if you're one of those listeners that just cannot wait for that next episode to drop, and if you're over on YouTube and my website binging my content there, I just wanted to say thank you. It means the world to me. But just remember, the free stuff will only get you so far. So if you want my complete proven blueprint for opening a successful and sustainable play cafe or indoor playground business that is profitable from day one, I want to invite you to join me inside my signature course, Play Cafe Academy. Head to the show notes right now to get instant on-demand access to all 12 modules, your detailed pre-launch checklist, your 34-page business plan template, your plug-and-play financial model to help you estimate your startup costs and project your revenue, and everything you need to save time, money, and frustration throughout your entire opening process. For a limited time right now, you'll also get an entire month of free access to Playmaker Society, my invite-only membership created exclusively for Play Cafe Academy students who want to work with me personally to optimize and scale their businesses through coaching, guest experts, legal and operations templates, and plug-and-play resources, plus collaboration with over 220 other owners, plus so much more. Head to the show notes and choose your preferred way to pay in full or over time right now. You'll get more information on the current bonuses. You'll see some success stories of those who have gone before you and exactly what to expect when you join us inside the program. I will see you there. If you're in the play and party business and you want to operate with more ease and joy, all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for Small But Mighty Tips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play or party-based business. Hey, Playmakers, and happy Monday. It's me, your host, Michelle Caruana. And I am so excited for this guest expert interview today. So in this episode, I'm speaking with Cheryl Balber, who is the co-owner of Empowered to Profit. And in this episode, we are talking about one of the most important parts of business ownership, paying yourself as the owner. But we are going so much deeper than just paying yourself. In this episode, Cheryl and I are going to talk about all things business financials. So how to get started, how to set everything up from the beginning, the financial reports that you should be looking at every single month, the accounting and bookkeeping software that Cheryl recommends. Cheryl is going to talk about what to DIY and when you should consider hiring a professional. And of course, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about all things paying yourself as an owner. So when, how much, how to get started, we are getting into all of that. And I also have a very special announcement that goes along with this episode. So Cheryl has been kind enough to put together a free business financials course for all Play Cafe Academy and Playmaker Society members. So if you go to the show notes and sign up for Play Cafe Academy now, you are going to get a step 
step-by-step course from Cheryl, an expert, and she's going to be covering everything from your financial accounts to setting up your financial reports that she's going to discuss in today's episode. She's going to talk about setting up your accounting software, and you are literally going to be able to look over her shoulder as she does it step-by-step. This is one part of business ownership that my members always come to me struggling with. But since I am not an expert, I am so happy to bring you Cheryl's expertise. And I'm so excited for all of my Play Cafe Academy and Playmaker Society members. So this is something that is just going to automatically be gifted to you when you sign up for either course. And if you are a current member, you know I'm still going to take care of you. Just reach out to me via email. I'll put my email address in the show notes and I will make sure I get it added to your account. But for all new customers of either program, you're going to get this added automatically. And this is something people pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for. So this is in addition to all of the other bonus modules and the free month of Playmaker Society and all of the discount codes from our preferred vendors that you already get as a Play Cafe Academy member outside of all of the training modules, outside of all of the templates and standard operating procedures and everything you already get. This is just one more way that I'm going to help empower you to run your business successfully from day one. So thank you so much, Cheryl, for giving this to my Playmaker Society and Play Cafe Academy members. I've already given this to everyone in Playmaker Society and the feedback has been absolutely phenomenal. So I'm so excited to finally be able to announce this publicly that this is now available to you. So again, if you have any questions, send me an email, send me an Instagram DM. I would love to put this free course in your hands today. All right, without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Cheryl Belber. Hey, Cheryl, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I love when we get to get together and have these chats. I know, I'm really excited. And I was actually revisiting our last conversation that we had, and I couldn't believe how long ago it was. It really feels like it was yesterday, but it was a couple of years ago. I was like in my old house. So I'm really excited to have you on again and kind of rebring up this topic that I think is so important. So I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So before we kind of dive into what we're going to talk about today, do you want to take a moment and introduce yourself and let everyone know who you are and who you serve in your business? Absolutely. So my name is Cheryl. I am a co-CEO and founder of Empowered to Profit, where we really help entrepreneurs put more of that revenue into their personal account. So while we have a full service accounting agency, what we specialize in, obsess in, and is like my personal passion is really ensuring that the business is working for you. Because if this business doesn't work for you, I like to say, what the heck's the point? You could make more money and have less time invested in a W-2 job. So I really want your business to work for you. And that's what we obsess about and specialize in over at Empowered to Profit. Awesome. Well, I'm really excited to get way more into that. But just to kind of kick off the conversation, because, um, you know, a lot of people, when they go into starting a business, they think about the fun stuff, right? They think about, you know, especially for our industry, it is really fun. So they think about choosing the play area. They think about pink colors. They think about, you know, birthday party packages. And a lot of times we skip over the really important foundational steps, especially when it comes to your finances, 
and those types of considerations. And then, so they, you know, get a little bit ahead of themselves and then they come back to the finances. And I feel like that is really doing a disservice to yourself. So when somebody is just getting started with a business vision or idea, what are some of the first decisions? What are some of the first financial considerations they're going to have to make and decide? Yeah, I like to say, especially when you're investing in a new business or a new to you business, um, obviously there's an upfront cost, especially um, in the play space world. It's not like you're going to come in usually um, for no out of pocket. So I don't want to see you write yourself a blank check, right? Like the bank is not going to give you a blank check. So I don't want you to give your business a blank check either. So if you can go into it with the clarity of what am I comfortable and what can my family afford for me to invest in this business and how, and if I'm going to pay myself back, I like to have those conversations up front. That way you're not two, three, six months down the line and resenting the business you started, resenting all the decisions you made, having you know, hard conversations at home because we didn't do that upfront work. So if we do a little bit of upfront work, it's going to make the years that you're in business so much more joyful, purposeful, and really um, the reason why you started all this. Most people start a business because they have a personal goal or desire. Um, And even if that goal or or desire is a charitable cause, they all cost money. And even if it's more freedom. So what is the plan to ensure that you are actually getting paid out from your business and you don't just become a victim to all the marketing that's out there telling you all the things you need? So if we do this on the front end and we plan it out, you're going to make the days, the weeks, the months go by so much more joyful, purposeful, and alleviate some of the stress. Because let's be real, stress comes with business. So if we can alleviate some of it, let's do it. And that's what the front end planning does. Yeah, absolutely. And you said so much that I'm going to have to like write it down and come back to it. But before we get there, because you said some really insightful things, but can you talk a little bit about some of those steps when referring to the upfront planning? Because I know a lot of people listening are kind of in that phase and they want to get to the good stuff, but I really want them to, again, do that planning work upfront so they can have a more joyful and purposeful business. So can we dig into that a little bit? Absolutely. So when we're going to a new business idea or even one that's established if we're purchasing one, let's talk about, I like to call it a profit plan, but that's really just a fancy word for your budget, your spending plan, whatever you want to call it. It really doesn't matter. At the end of the day, what do we anticipate that revenue is going to come in at? And from there, how are we going to allocate those dollars? If we do that on the front end, we know if it even makes sense, right? And then a lot of people are like, I can't even predict the revenue. And I'm like, okay, well, let's back up. How many um, people can you facilitate in a day? What are we charging for that day? And then what is your, let's take a guesstimate on your occupancy rate per day. Let's just do some front end math. And to be honest, all you need is a calculator and a free spreadsheet, um, Google, right? And just write it down and let's do some back end math and plan out those dollars and how we're going to use them. So we, one, make sure that we're spending in accordance to like what makes sense for us. Two, we're ensuring that this business actually makes sense and we can financially do it. And then three, that the spending aligns with like where we want to go in our trajectory. If we do that on the front end, rather than two, three months in, you're 
you're just getting ahead of the game, right? You can plan and you can pivot easier if something isn't working according to plan or if something, and people usually take that as like something negative isn't working according to plan, but maybe your revenue is way higher. Your occupancy is way higher than you ever could have predicted. So you can pour some more money into something else or take out more. Um, It's that really front end planning that's going to set your business up. And that front end planning is how are we going to allocate those dollars when it comes into our business? And also, how are we going to allocate either our investment dollars into the business? Like where is that money going? Or if we have a loan or if we're taking on some front end business debt, whatever we're doing, how are we allocating those funds? Yeah, absolutely. And kind of talking about, you know, when people hear, you know, oh, something is not going according to plan. Like you said, it doesn't always have to be a negative. Like just to give an example for me, my business was pretty much on track with what I expected, but my revenue was coming from places that I didn't expect. So our birthday parties took off way more than I anticipated. And open play was actually something that was, you know, bringing in a lot less than I anticipated. So we had to change our hours. We changed our pricing. We changed our packages. We completely refocused just based on those numbers. And it ended up being so much more joyful for me. I know I feel like we've said that word so much already, but, you know, for me, birthday parties was really my favorite part. So I was happy to see those numbers, to look at that data and say, you know what, we need to lean into this. This is unexpected. I really didn't think that people would want that particular service in that area, but the numbers really surprised me. And kind of coming back to what you were saying, if you don't have those numbers, if you don't have that data to look at, you're never going to necessarily get that entire picture and be able to make those pivots. And something that I hear a lot of people say, especially when they're like in the planning phases, ready to sign a lease, is they'll come to me and they'll say, Michelle, I found this location. I you know, determined all my revenue streams. I have these prices, but the numbers just aren't working. They say, well, you know, it, it feels like I'm going to be at a loss for a really long time. It feels like I'm never going to be able to pay myself. It feels like I'm never going to be able to recoup my startup costs. Can you help me make these numbers work? And I'm so glad when they come to me at that point and not months and months and months down the line when they finally said it's too expensive or, you know, they just pull prices out of a hat. So if somebody kind of came to you with that same predicament, you know, how can I make these numbers work? My first inclination is always, you know, sometimes they just don't work. Sometimes you need to find a new location. Maybe your pricing is off. So what would your kind of reaction be to that? Yeah, we actually get that question a lot when people want to buy or acquire a business. Does it work? Does it make sense? And we go through the exact same motions of creating that profit plan. Um, And sometimes it doesn't work, but sometimes you can be creative and make it work. Can we go back and ask for seller financing so we're not paying high mortgage rates? Can we go in and negotiate leases and say, hey, if we sign a lease a little bit longer, can we lower that price, right? Everything is negotiable. And at the end of the day, if the answer is no, the numbers don't work, then you just save yourself a massive headache and a big like loss. So consider that a win as well. And I personally do them too when we're looking to acquire businesses and it gets frustrating. You're like, I want it so bad, but if the numbers don't work, it's not going to get you closer to your goal. So do you want just this business to have a vanity thing or do you want your goal is what I want to remind people of. And if this business is to get you closer to whatever that goal is for you, keep that in mind, not just the obsession with the 
the place or the exact space or sometimes even the exact business model if it's not going to bring you closer to that goal. And the way to know if it's going to get you closer to that goal is that front end planning. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like in our industry specifically, there is a lot of emotions. Like for example, a lot of people will come to me and say, well, you know, we looked at this place, it's way out of our price range, but our kids loved it, or it's right by my kid's school. And I love that when I listen to your content and things like that, it really specifies to take the emotions out of it as much as possible and look at the numbers. Because even if it seems like the perfect place, even if your kids loved it, you know, they're not going to love you having to be away way more than expected to make up for that additional revenue that, you know, could be going in your pocket, but now you're having to pay for it in additional rent. So for me, it's not just looking at the short term and what's going to give you that, you know, biggest boost in pride, but looking at the long term and saying, okay, yes, we love the space. Yes, it seems perfect. Yes, the location is great. But again, exactly what you said, is it going to move me closer to my goals? Right. And I think so often, especially in this industry, people do it so that they can have more time with their family or bring their family involved or like be at home a little bit more rather than a traditional job. So you also have to factor in the cost of pay, right? If we're paying more for a space that's outside of um, what makes sense, then that's lowering what you can pay for employees. So are you actually now back in the business and being more deterred away from your goal? Absolutely. And I love that sign behind you. I've been waiting to bring it up. And this is the perfect opportunity to hire more. Oh, it says hike more, worry less. I thought it said hire more. I should put my glasses on. But you know what? I think it should say hire more because I think that's the perfect um, analogy, especially for a brick and mortar business when it can take so much of your physical and mental energy. And I think a lot of people don't realize that going in. Um, So one other thing that is really common that people come to me with is they say, well, you know, I'm not going to budget for a staff or I'm not going to account for employees because I want to work at the business as much as possible. You know, it's my dream to, you know, be behind the counter with my kiddos. And, you know, what would you, what would be your reaction to kind of that? school of thought. Um, Especially in this industry, it requires like physical presence. And as in life, like things happen and you have to be able to have a staff to step in. You don't want your business solely dependent on your presence to generate revenue because that's um, that's a big risk. Like it's just a massive risk. And then also the mental toll and energy that you always physically have to be there in this type of industry. Um, I really encourage hiring. I encourage hiring smart, but also planned, right? How much can we confidently afford for payroll and also be able to afford the ebbs and flows of business? Because let's be honest, we're going to have ebbs and flows. We're going to have good revenue months and bad revenue months. And we're not looking to hire and fire staff, right? We want to be proud employees, employers. And that takes being really cognizant of what we can afford, what we budget to afford, and ensuring that we can go through those ebbs and flows. And Again, I sound like a broken record. It all comes back to that profit planning. How are we going to plan those dollars once they come in and ensure we're not spending them the minute they're in the door so we can handle those ebbs and flows? But please do not create a brick and mortar business based on your only ability to run the business. 
that's just setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. I always tell people, even if they feel like they want to be as physically present as possible, you know, maybe they were an educator previously and they really want to be around kids. Or like I said, maybe they want their family to be involved. That's great. But I really like to see people at least plan for having a fully staffed space so that you can see, okay, what does the scenario look like if I am working X number of hours? What does it look like if I work you know, 10 hours versus 20, what does it look like in terms of profit? And can I afford that? I mean, for me specifically, I did plan on working physically at the business just because, you know, I was working a nine to five before I thought it would be all butterflies and rainbows, like bringing my kids there and spoiler alert. I talk about this all the time. It was not, it was way harder than I expected it to be. And that seems to be very common. Um, however, something that I didn't anticipate happening was getting pregnant shortly after opening. And I had a very difficult pregnancy, a very difficult birth. And I wasn't able to be there physically at all for months. And I really just wish I could go back and tell myself when I was writing my business plan, you know, plan for these different scenarios. Even if in your perfect scenario, you're going to be accounting for 20 hours a week of physical labor. Like you said, you really never know what's going to happen. You never know what life's going to throw at you, whether it's with your own personal health or somebody in your families or some other circumstance that takes you physically away from the business. I always tell people to be as conservative as possible, meaning to, you know, not conservative in terms of um, the hours that you're budgeting for, but be conservative in the amount that you're going to be able to contribute to your business. Look at the different scenarios of a fully staffed space just to kind of go there and explore that and see what impact that would have. And if, if that's going to be disastrous, then I tell people to kind of go back. You need to either change your pricing or you need to renegotiate or something needs to happen. Another revenue stream has to come from somewhere. But again, that's something that I hear all the time. And I want to like spin it positive. Like we always take that as like, if something bad happens, it also gives you the opportunity to say yes to something good. If Aunt Sally wants to bring you on vacation for a week and your entire family, you could say yes if you have a staff, right? It doesn't always have to be someone is sick, right? Or the sadness of life that sometimes happens, but it can also give you the opportunity to say yes when you have a staff who's trained, trusted, and you can compensate them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I love the positive spending put on it, by the way, because it also could, you know, allow you to do only the things that you love doing in your business yeah. because burnout is again, something that we all are familiar with the word, but you really don't know how quickly and how seriously a brick and mortar business can burn you out. And I really think people don't anticipate just how, you know, active, you have to be if you're going to be the face of your business and you're going to physically be there. So I think by by over budgeting maybe for a staff just to be again on the conservative side with what you're going to be able to physically allow, like you said, you can do the things you love, not just in your life, but you can say, okay, you know what? I love doing the marketing part of my business, but you know what? Gosh, if I have to clean that espresso machine one more time, or if I have to you know, coordinate these vendors, or you know, I don't like working birthday parties or something like that, I think it allows you to really design the life that you dreamt of when you were first getting started with your business. But again, it all comes down to the planning and those numbers. For sure. Like big time. Yeah, absolutely. So 
Um, something that, again, that is part of the planning process that I feel like when my audience hears, they just kind of want to turn the other way. And I totally get it. I, I mean, I happen to go to school for economics, so I can't relate to that specifically because this is kind of what I live for. But can you talk a little bit about some of the different financial documents that are part of that planning process and just explain like a brief overview to kind of just demystify that and break it down into what it actually means so it doesn't maybe sound so complicated? Yeah. So if we rewind real quickly, when you do bookkeeping, I'm just like going to break it out like we're all entry level. All that is is classifying, um, putting categories on your income and expenses. When you do that, which you legally have to do, um, so you can file taxes, it's not, it's really not complicated. You're really just labeling those items. And then the reports are generated from those labels. So I just wanted to start there. So these reports come from that bookkeeping. And the two key ones are your profit and loss statement. And that's really just going to outline the income that you have coming in over a period of time and what you have spent your money on, where the expenses have gone. And this report is so freaking powerful because it tells you what you did in the past. And I don't want you to think, oh, well, it's the past, who cares? And what you've done in the past, while it doesn't dictate your future, I like to say it gives you the roadmap of how to move. It can give you some predictions in like what is likely to happen if nothing changes, right? Um, so that's why I love this report. Um, and even if you're purchasing a previous play space, if you can get the profit and loss and you, spoiler alert, you should if you're acquiring someone else's business so you can see historics, you can use that to really help predict what your income streams will be, what your expenses will be if you make no changes, right? And we can use that data to make changes to get us closer to the goal. So that's the first one, profit and loss. It's real simply just going to outline your income and your expenses. The other big one that unfortunately usually has so many errors is your balance sheet. Why does your balance sheet matter? Because it's going to outline your assets, what you own, and it's then going to tell you what you owe, right? Those are the big parts of it. Why does it matter? It matters for banks. It matters if you personally ever want to get a car loan or a mortgage or whatever, they're going to want to see these documents. And if you do that front end, that bookkeeping, your accounting software will do it all for you. Like, it's not that you have to go in and create your balance sheet by properly classifying those income and expenses um, in those transactions, these reports will kick out for you. But the best part is to use them to make a forward-facing decision. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times people will come to me and say, well, you know, I have all of the expenses and income classified, you know, I can generate the reports at a later date, right? They don't feel like it's an urgent need until they're wanting to sell their business or until they are wanting to make a purchase. But in my experience, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it's so much easier and so much less expensive to kind of prepare these documents at least, you know, I would say probably monthly. Is that correct? A thousand and one percent. And here's the thing, you own a business and where your focus goes, your results go. So right, if at the end of the day, you want more time, you want more money, you want to be able to do X, Y, and Z, you have to focus on the financials. You can't ignore it. And when you put your focus there, and it doesn't have to be 30 hours a week, um, it really doesn't. When you, But when you put your focus there, you're going to start to see the residual effects of that. Um, and that's going to be increased in your pocketbook. It's going to be building a business that aligns with your goals, your wishes, rather than like, 
oh, I guess we can only do this. You can really plan and have a business that provides what you want to provide if you plan for it. And that all takes focus. But yeah, if we're ignoring our numbers all year, we just do it for the IRS. Um, you're missing that entire, like you're here to run a business and running a business isn't just on hopes and feelings. It's on data. Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to kind of implementing these tips, because hopefully, you know, that's going to be the next step. Do you have any favorite tools that you typically recommend to somebody who is more of a bookkeeping beginner? Absolutely. So if we are brand new to business and we anticipate and we anticipate our business is going to make more than $30,000 a year, get QuickBooks online. Simple start. Um, it's about 30, 40 ish dollars a month and it's worth the expense. I like to caveat that revenue because if we're not at 30 grand a year, and that's just an arbitrary number, I really re recommend Wave Accounting, which is a free accounting software for those who don't have as many transactions. It's not as robust, and it's not what I would recommend if your business is growing and scaling. I only recommend it to those who perhaps have very part-time minimal um, revenue because I don't want you to spend all your money on software. Um, but QuickBooks Online is a great first place to start. And then I would highly recommend even like Google Sheets so we can plan for profit um, and create that spending plan and budget. It does not have to cost you a lot for your financials, but it's imperative that you look at them. So those are some of my favorite tools, along with like what bank you use, like that really matters. Yeah. So kind of getting into that. So when it comes to actually, you know, profit planning, we talked about the tools a little bit, but do you have a system that you like to teach that you like to recommend to clients to, again, help make sure that the business aligns with someone's financial goals? Yeah, we absolutely love the Profit First system. It's by Mike Michalowicz. He's not an accountant, so it's in like easy to understand lingo. And it really just um, helps separate your funds into different bank accounts. And um, there's a whole theory behind that. I'm happy to share. We have like a cliff notes guide. If you want to share it with your audience, more than welcome to. Um, but it's just going to separate your revenue into different buckets. So you don't accidentally spend what is set aside to pay your taxes. You don't use it to operate your business off of very high level. When you take his system and you combine it with profit planning, what are we going to do with these dollars when we have saved them for operating our business? That's when the real magic happens. So it's really twofold. One, how are we managing the cash when it comes into our business? We recommend using different bank accounts, high level. And then once it's in those bank accounts, what are you doing with it? Like, what's the plan for that money? Let's not just use it um, willy nilly. Like, let's plan those dollars. Are they going towards payroll? Are they going towards marketing? Like, what is the goal with those operating expense funds? Yeah, absolutely. And something that I really like about the Profit First system, and I've done several episodes on it, but I would definitely love to share that Cliff Notes guide. So I will link it in the show notes. Absolutely. But what I love about his system is that it can operate based off of percentages. So a lot yeah. of people will hear, you know, success stories or other business owners saying that they utilize a profit first system and they say, well, that system can't possibly work for me. You know, I just got started. I can't possibly put away the same amount of money into profit or into the amount that I'm going to pay myself because, you know, that's a multi-million dollar business. But when you break it down to its most foundational level, you can start with percentages and say, okay, 
I'm going to put away 1% of my revenue into this bucket this month. I'm going to work my way up to, you know, 5%, 10%. Maybe it's an account where you're going to ultimately pay yourself. So a lot of people get very intimidated by trying to figure out an exact dollar amount for these buckets immediately. But I love that he breaks it down so simply and you can simply use percentages so that you're not, you know, accidentally allocating a little bit too much into one bucket per month because, you know, this industry specifically is can be pretty cyclical. So I love that it gives you that kind of freedom to actually allocate those numbers based on what you actually bring in. Absolutely. Um, the key is real quick, if anyone's not familiar, your revenue comes into one account and then based on percentages, you move it into different bank accounts. And those percentages really, if you profit plan, you know what percentages to do and your goal to increase them, right? So maybe in the beginning, when you just open up your business, you can only allocate 10% to your own pay because that's all that makes financial sense the first three months. What's the goal to increase that? And how are we going to make a plan to increase that? Um, that's why I love it. Yeah, awesome. And recently you completed a training for my Playmaker Society members. So anybody that is in my membership is going to get access to that training. So I'm so excited about it. Do you want to kind of give a brief overview of what that is going to cover and what people can expect? Yeah, it's really going to walk you through like um, the basics. It's going to take you, what does it look like to log into QuickBooks Online? What does it look like to look at a profit and loss and a balance sheet? What does it mean when I say... Um, profit planning? How do I set up hours? And it's really just going to give you the foundations on how to like, how many bank accounts do I need? Where do I start? That's why I like it. Cause it's just like a starting point um, in bite-sized chunks. Yeah, absolutely. And I think having that foundation is so important because for me, again, I wanted to fast track and choose the pink colors and design the interior. But once I understood, and once I just kind of you know, exposed myself to those documents and things like that, it almost became like addictive. And it was really cool to see the numbers growing and changing because sometimes, especially when you're in a brick and mortar business, a lot of times you lose perspective in terms of, you know, where you started versus where you're going. So for example, I could be having, you know, the best month ever financially in my business, but like a one-star review comes in and like my entire week is completely shattered. So what I love about being very vigilant about tracking your financials is it, it again, removes the emotions away from the business and said, you know, there were a couple hard days this month, but, but look at how much our revenue has grown year over year, or look at how many birthday parties we booked in terms of, you know, compared to last year and look at how much our average order value has increased. So that always kind of helped keep me a little bit grounded. So it wasn't necessarily just making the important decisions. And while that's very important, it was also very helpful just for me mentally to remember, okay, you know, even if one person had something bad to say, look at all of these people we're helping and look at how much I'm able to financially contribute to my family's future. And just bringing it back to the goals and the entire mission of the business it was so, so helpful for me. And I think a lot of people underestimate how much numbers and data can do that for you. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, even in our own business, I love the pretty and the marketing, but at the end of the day, you have a goal and what's going to get you closer to your goals. And are we getting further away? So when you do your profit planning and your profit first system, it also keeps you on the path. And we all make like a few steps in the wrong direction, but as we work out the system, it'll just bring you back to the path. It'll just constantly bring you back to the path. So you can't veer off too far. And that's what's, that's the whole reason why you started this business is like to hit your goals. Like that's what we all want for you. Exactly. And something that I loved about the profit first system, and it's something that I implemented after our first conversation, you know, several, several years ago, but something that I loved is that something that I recommend to a lot of people is, you know, you don't have to start with the fanciest equipment. You don't have to start, you know, making all of the investments that you're ultimately going to want to make in your business. So what I loved about Profit First is, again, I was allocating money into different buckets, and one of those buckets was reinvesting into my business. So if I wanted a newer, more powerful espresso machine, or if I wanted to invest in a helium tank or in some professional development training or something like that, it, again, helped make that decision-making process so much easier because I could see where that account was at. And as long as I had you know, a prioritized list of the things that I wanted to invest in, the purchases I wanted to make, it alleviated that decision-making process. And again, this is something that I feel like a lot of people underestimate just how many decisions you have to make as a business owner every single day. And sometimes just the full weight and volume of those, those, those decisions can be so overwhelming. So the more you can, again, remove that burden from you, the better off you're going to be short-term, long-term for your mental health, your energy, all of that. And it makes it easier to see. Um, I had an example. Our agency was working with a play space owner and she wanted to buy, you know, all this new equipment and all like the fun stuff. And and we basically said, okay, you have X amount of dollars that you are going to pay yourself. Is it worth taking these funds away from your family to buy this fancy new equipment? When you see it like that, and it's that clear, it makes the decision that much easier. And if at the end of the day, you would rather, you know, take the funds away from your family, like no discount, it's your decision. But as long as you're aware of what you're doing and how it has an effect, right? And that's what the system allows you to do. And spoiler alert, she just waited a couple months. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it comes back to the profit planning. You know, if that purchase is going to give you a huge return on investment that's going to put you in a better decision in the next several months and not only replace that money, but add to what you are able to give your family, then, you know, that might be a completely different decision. But again, it all comes down to being able to have those numbers, both historically and looking forward, or you're just kind of throwing money all over the place. And a lot of people might be listening to this and thinking, well, you know, I would never do that. I would never just you know, open up Amazon and think, you know, oh, I need this new climber or I need this new thing. But I promise you, again, the weight and volume of decisions you have to make, sometimes we make mistakes. And like you said, it's very easy to kind of, you know, accidentally make a step in the wrong direction or, you know, kind of go off track from your profit plan. But having that plan in place, make sure that it's, you know, a slip and not a slide is what I kind of like to say. You know, maybe you make one errant purchase, but it's not becoming out of control. It's not becoming an issue because you can't veer off too far from that path without quickly, you know, being corrected. So I love having that plan in place and looking at those numbers monthly. 
Yeah. And I like one last spin is it also, when you have a profit plan, sometimes spending more as you were alluding to will get you further ahead. So if you're evaluating like, Hey, I put X amount of dollars into marketing and we saw a massive increase in our revenue last month. Okay. Let's put a few more dollars into marketing because it's increasing our revenue. So sometimes it's a permission to spend more. Yeah, absolutely. I just had that exact same experience. I'm doing an affiliate launch right now, and this is my third time doing it. So I have two years of data to look at. And I looked at, okay, year number one, I didn't spend any money in ads, and this was the result. Year two, I spent, let's say, $500 in ads, but I made thousands and thousands more. So the return on investment was there, and it's justified. So this year, you know, I gave my per- myself permission to spend the money to book the flight if I had to to, you know, give out the valuable bonuses. So if I didn't have that information, if I didn't take the time to write down those numbers and track everything, I would probably be all the way back where I was that first year. I wouldn't have made any changes because I wouldn't have, again, been able to make that decision from a place of actually having the data. Yeah. So um, I know we kind of got a little bit off track there, but One thing that I wanted to talk about, because this is something that, again, I see a lot when it comes to, especially the first couple years in business, I hear a lot of, you know, my business can't pay myself yet. We have to, you know, wait a couple years before we pay ourselves as owners or before we take, you know, profit allocation or anything like that. So can you talk a little bit about some of the mistakes that you see with that misconception and specifically with business owners in their first couple years? Yeah. Oftentimes the business owners who do not pay themselves anything or it's so minimal, it might as well be nothing. Um, there's resentment. There's oftentimes a lot of fighting and trouble at home in some way. Um, there's a lot of businesses that shut down because it's not sustainable. And I like to refer it back to a W-2. Would you go to your W-2 job and pour your heart and soul and not see anything go into your bank account? That's what will happen if you don't prioritizing a paycheck. Um, Even if you want to invest in your business and slowly pay that investment back over time, you have to have a business that pays you. I like to say consistently and predictably. And that's what the Profit First system will do for you. Ensure that you're paid consistently and predictably. And the minute that that is not a priority, you're also saying your goal wasn't a priority of why you started it. If we're just hoping and praying that, three years of like nose to the grind, no money coming out, just working 60 plus hours a week is then going to make you on year three, all of a sudden love it and change those habits. It just doesn't happen that way. Absolutely. And I feel like a lot of times there's a big correlation to people not really wanting to pay themselves. They're kind of the same business owners who think that they're saving all this money by not hiring, by not delegating, by not outsourcing. So now not only are they you know, not paying themselves and they're not getting any closer to their goal. They're also working themselves to the bone and they're going to be underwater. There's going to be, like you said, no magical date and time where they're like, all right, you know what? My business is going to change. I'm going to start delegating. They kind of just think, you know, the more hours I put in, the more I'm going to make. And they can't really see past that. So that's why I love not only planning for being able to hire and being able to delegate so that you can have the time to look at your data and look at the numbers and make those important business decisions, but also plan on paying yourself as soon as possible. Because again, that's one thing that I, anytime I review a business plan, if there's not owner's compensation or 
some plan to recoup your startup costs and pay yourself back, I immediately put on the brakes and say, listen, you know, this is something that you need in addition to staffing and making sure you have, you know, at least one plan for a fully staffed space that makes sense. You need to be able to put a plan in place, like you said, to pay yourself as soon as possible, or you're never going to be able to dedicate the time, the mental energy, the passion to your business. That's really going to move it forward. And then in like three years, you've created three years of a business that doesn't work. So how does it all of a sudden work? And then when you're like, okay, now I'll invest in the staff, you have to now figure out your systems to bring in that staff on top of having a business that's been around three years. It's so much easier to build those systems as you grow and scale rather than have a business that's been established for three years and then almost have to start over with those systems and strategies. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes saving money and being really scrappy is going to really restrict your revenue potential and things like that. Absolutely. I see that unfortunately way, way, way too often. So I'm so glad that we kind of got into that. So one thing that I wanted to talk about, because I know that, you know, we're talking about systems and we're talking about tools and we're talking about, you know, early stages of business versus a couple years down the line. When should we kind of consider going the DIY route with our bookkeeping and our finances versus hiring a professional? And can you also just briefly touch on the different types of financial professionals that we might look to hire? For sure. So first let's start about the different types of professionals. Um, I like to, sometimes I feel funny comparing it to the medical world, but I'm just going to, cause we can all relate. If you were to walk into a hospital, there's, um, typically a secretary, someone who will take your paperwork. There's a nurse, there's a doctor, there's probably a specialist. Um, That same different level, different specialties applies to accounting as well. So there's book, let's talk about the four core ones. There's a bookkeeping, there's profit strategy, there's accounting, and then there's tax, a tax accountant. So your bookkeeper is the one who's going to categorize your income and your expenses. They're going to reconcile your accounts, basically making sure that your accounting file matches the bank file and nothing is missing, simply put. Your uh, profit strategist is someone who obsesses with how are you going to be profitable? How is this business going to be profitable? And what's that growth plan? right? Um, While a profit strategist could also be a bookkeeper, um, typically they're separate positions, right? Just like your doctor could put on the Band-Aid, typically the nurse will do that, right? Um, Third is accounting. So an accountant is someone who reads your reports, who typically hands them out to you, has a little bit more expertise um, analyzing those numbers. Oftentimes in the business world, your accountant is not going to obsess about your profit strategy. And if you're going to interview accountants, ask them that, right? Have clear expectations up front. And then the last one I love to cover is a tax accountant. And this is where people get super confused. Your tax accountant obsesses about the IRS. They know those tax codes in and out. Oftentimes, they don't know accounting software in and out. So you're, to pay your tax accountant to do your bookkeeping is like hiring the brain surgeon to put on the Band-Aid, Right. Um, oftentimes your tax accountant, while they can dabble, that's just not their specialty. So if you're paying a tax accountant to do your bookkeeping, you're paying more money um, to start there. And then when should we DIY versus hire out? I like to say, ask yourself these questions. One, are you willing to do it, right? Like, let's just start there. Are you willing to do it 
I, I love when people do it daily, less than five minutes a day, but at a minimum every single week, are you willing to go in and really analyze your income, your expenses, categorize them, reconcile your accounts, and then use that information to push you forward. If you just glossed over everything I just said, you need to outsource. Um, so let's just start there. If you're like, no, I can do all that. Great. Are you also willing to learn accounting software? And no discount, QuickBooks Online is one of, one, it's user-friendly for the most part. Two, since the most businesses use QuickBooks Online, there's tons of information out there. So you can go and research, right? If you're willing to do that and will put in the time, go for it, right? Go for it. And then when it makes sense to outsource, if you're willing to do it, when you will make more money doing something else, right? Then let's, then let's pass it off. But if from day one, you're not even willing to do it and like no discount, just be honest with yourself, um, then it's time to outsource from day one. Yeah, absolutely. I started off going the DIY route. And number three, what you mentioned really kind of spoke to me just because I was doing it fine. I was, you know, able to keep up with it. I was, you know, putting everything that I spent every single day, everything that was coming in. But where I was having trouble is, you know, I was spending so much time doing that, that I wasn't spending enough time actually analyzing. So I was doing a lot of data collection, a lot of manual work, a lot of tedious work. And then by the time it got time to actually say, okay, what happened this month versus last month? What are our KPIs? What do I need to do next month to be even better? I was just too tired and I just couldn't do it. And once I delegated, I realized, oh my gosh, I'm now able to spend so much more time analyzing, making decisions, innovating, dreaming, things like that. Think you might not have enough energy left over to spend the time doing that. And for me, it really gave me a much bigger return on investment, actually spending the time looking at the numbers, making the decisions, innovating, things like that, things that I couldn't do when I was trying to do it myself. And I was making a lot more money doing those tasks, if I was able to just hire somebody to do the rest of it. So again, that might not be where you're starting, but give yourself permission, you know, maybe a couple years in or a couple months in, depending on what that looks like for you, give yourself permission to say, Hey, you know, maybe my energy, maybe my time is better spent elsewhere. And if you decide, you know, after listening to this, okay, I'm going to go the DIY route. Don't forget to revisit that in a couple months as you know, you're getting busier, as you are, you know, coming up with new ideas and reinvesting in your business, you know, don't forget to check in and say, am I still the best person to be doing this? Because I think I should have delegated way earlier. I think I could have avoided a lot of stress, a lot of, um, you know, hours spent away from my family. I wish I would have revisited sooner. So it's okay and to just, DIY, but yeah, don't forget yeah. to kind of keep coming back to that. And it doesn't mean you have to de you don't have to outsource the full suite of accountants. You can start with just a bookkeeper who really is doing a lot of the manual tedious work. And then you can take those reports and make your decisions um, from that. So you don't have to jump into the whole suite of accounting. You can start with just a bookkeeper. And I also want to caution people, if you have ignored your bookkeeping for any time, and then to hire someone, it's going to be a big upfront task because they have months to go back to. So if you know right off the bat, like, hey, I'm just not getting to this, it will save you in the end rather than that scary, like, oh my gosh, six months of bookkeeping to catch up on. There's a price tag associated with that. So slow investments would might make more sense. Just yeah. be honest with yourself. 
Absolutely. And I know you mentioned that a tax accountant is obviously a very different position, but a lot of people think that they're saving so much money doing their own bookkeeping. And then it comes to be tax time and they're assuming that it's going to cost them the exact same amount to file their business taxes as it does their personal taxes, because that's all they've been accustomed to so far. And a lot of people are very surprised at how much time their accountant is going to have to go back and dig through all of the records, reconcile things, categorize things. Um, So that's, you know, even if you're not at the place for whatever reason where you really want to dig into your financial reporting, that price tag is going to come at tax time. So for me, it was just better to stay on top of it for sure. Whether you that was save so much money, if you can hand your tax accountant perfectly clean records, and that's what your bookkeeper or if you're DIYing, it should be doing like no questions are perfectly clean and they won't have to spend as much time. Therefore, your tax bill goes down. Yeah, absolutely. And one last question before we kind of wrap up um, something that I mentioned was KPIs or key performance indicators. So as somebody who acts as a profit strategist in many different amazing businesses, what are some of the things that you encourage your clients to look at as a profit strategist in terms of key performance indicators, things to really highlight what your business is doing and if it's performing well? Yeah. Um, there's no numbers to manage if we can't get sales in the door, right? So we like to start there. What are our sales looking month over month? What's our growth trajectory? Don't let those words scare you and don't compare yours to a 10-year business, right? So I like to have key performance indicators for our clients that are um, stepping stones closer to their personal goals and ensuring that we're getting closer to them, not further away. So really all your KPI is going to do is are we on track or exceeding that track? to get us closer to our goals. We like to look at sales top line. We like to look at what percentage of your revenue is going to like a cost of goods, cost of services, right? Because if we've had people who come in who start at like 97% of their revenue is going right back into the cost to perform that, well, then it's not sustainable, right? If we don't get that number down. Um, Another big KPI we look at is our payroll as it compares to our revenue. Are we paying our employees enough so we don't have that constant revolving door? But also, is it sustainable long term so we can handle those ebbs and flows? So those are a few like top of the line, like is our payroll a metric? Is our sales a metric? How many people are coming in? And really what matters for your specific business closer to your goals. So for instance, if birthday parties, if you really need six a month to hit your revenue goal, that should be one of your KPIs. How close or are we exceeding that? And then your KPIs can change. Like, let's not set it and forget it. Let's adjust as the market adjusts. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely love that. And I think the people that I know that have really prioritized profit and profit planning their day-to-day, their demeanor, their family life, everything just changes so much. Because again, I think, you know, having these numbers to look at, it it takes so much of that weight off your shoulders. I know I talked so much about that already, but you really don't realize how much that can weigh on you. You know, am I booking enough birthday parties this month? You know, payroll was a little bit more this month. You know, did that track with sales? Was it you know, just because I, you know, scheduled people too much or was it reflective of the amount of revenue we made? Like those are the things that are going to keep you up and keep you awake in the middle of the night. If you don't track your numbers, if you don't look at the data, if you don't plan for profit, 
And I can't stress that enough. So I've seen it firsthand. I know several people who have worked with you specifically in the indoor playground industry. And I can definitely say that everything about their business, everything about their personal lives changes. So that's just such a testament to how you kind of help them out. Yeah, we love it. I like to say, do you want to be here for a short time or a long time? If we're here for a long time, let's act like a business from day one. Absolutely. All right. So if we want to keep learning from you and following along, I know I mentioned that all of my Playmaker Society members will get an amazing foundational course from you. I can't wait to release that in a couple of days. But for anyone that kind of wants to follow you, where is the best place to do so? Yeah, we are empowered to profit on all social platforms. Um, We're getting really big into YouTube right now and starting to bring our trainings over there. We're on the Facebook, Instagram. Awesome. And I will link all of those profiles. So cool. Well, it was great talking with you again. All right. Thank you so much, Cheryl. All right. That wraps up my conversation with Cheryl from Empower to Profit. Now, remember, if you're excited about implementing everything we went over in this episode, and you want Cheryl's step-by-step process, and you literally want to look over her shoulder as she sets up everything she discussed, you can go to the show notes right now and sign up for Play Cafe Academy. It's going to automatically get added to your account as a free bonus course. And remember, if you already have Play Cafe Academy or Playmaker Society, just send me an email. It's in the show notes. It's just Michelle at michellecarawana.com. And I will be sure to get this added to your account. But for all new members, it's going to be automatic and seamless. All right. I'm so excited to see what you guys do with this. I'm so excited for so many of you to actually begin paying yourself as business owners because it's something that we all need to do. All right. I hope you have an amazing week. If you have any questions, send me a DM on Instagram, send me an email. I am always happy to help. All right. I will see you guys right back here on Wednesday.